Hello and welcome to a short session uh, in regards to new oral anticoagulants that have recently been developed and uh, approved by the FDA within the United States. Uh, the purpose of this uh, very short uh, video is just to introduce uh, the, the new oral anticoagulants to the students as well as some of the both approved and unapproved ind indications. In addition to that, I'd like for everyone to understand some of the basic pharmacologic principles behind the new oral anticoagulant agents. I'll start with this basic diagram of the clotting cascade. As you can see here on this slide, uh, this is the typical uh, depiction of the intrinsic and extrinsic pathway is somewhat simplified to highlight those clotting factors which are typically affected by anticoagulants. If you'll notice um, where warfarin works uh, is intrinsic and extrinsic pathway uh, as, as well as the common pathway. Uh, we're all familiar with some of the drawbacks of warfarin. Certainly we're, we're here to focus on newer oral anticoagulants. And, uh, specifically, there's two new uh, direct 10A inhibitors, rivaroxaban and apixaban, which directly work on factor 10A. Now recall that factor uh, 10A and 2A or thrombin are both affected by unfractionated heparin and low molecular weight heparin uh, to varying degrees as well as the penosaccharide fondoparinux has direct effects uh, against 10A. The thing that makes these new agents unique and hence the term direct 10A uh, inhibitors is that they are not dependent upon antithrombin to exert their effects on the on the molecule. So rivaroxaban and apixaban, for instance, bind directly to factor 10A. They do not require antithrombin to mediate that binding or to mediate their effect. And the same is true with dabigatran, which is an oral direct thrombin inhibitor. Uh, and this is similar to drugs that we are more familiar with, such as argatroban and leperudin and bivalirudin, which are already on the market uh, and have been for some time, so the, the term direct thrombin inhibitor is a term that's, that's much more familiar. Now this summary table is a somewhat busy table. We'll take a few minutes and just go through some of these basic concepts. First of all, if, if you'll look at the drug target or target protein, I've highlighted that uh, on the previous slide. One thing that's different about dabigatran compared to the other drugs, in addition to its mechanism of action, is that it is administered as a prodrug, dabigatran atexylate which is then cleaved uh, enzymatically primarily to the active uh, form dabigatran. Dabigatran is then renally eliminated primarily with 80% of the drug eliminated unchanged in the urine. Uh, apixaban, and notice that these are listed in alphabetical order across the top, apixaban is primarily hepatically metabolized and it goes through the 3A4 uh, enzyme system as well as some p-glycoprotein uh, pathways. Rivaroxaban is also hepatically eliminated primarily, however, rivaroxaban does have a renal component that accounts for approximately one-third of the drug, or 33% of the drug, that is eliminated unchanged in the urine. So rivaroxaban, while primarily hepatically uh, um, metabolized, is also somewhat dependent on renal function. Now, I have here renal adjustment, and this actually needs to be adjusted um, since rivaroxaban was recently approved for the uh, indication of prevention of stroke and systemic embolization in patients with atrial fibrillation. Uh, it's now indicated to a, cre a creatinine clearance of down to 15, per mil, uh, 15 mils per minute. 
The Bigatran uh, requires a dosage adjustment, as does Rivaroxaban. Uh, and then a Pixaban, again, uh, from the data that we're seeing, we, we know we should avoid it in patients less than 15. We'll see uh, what the FDA mandates after pharmacokinetic modeling has been conducted and the drug is eventually approved. Currently, a Pixaban is not approved in the United States, only Dabigatran, also known as Pradaxa, and Rivaroxaban, also known as Xeralto. So if you think about the mechanism of elimination, then you'll notice that apixaban is going to be the drug that's most likely influenced by drug-drug interactions since it does um, go through uh, hepatic metabolism through the 3A4 enzyme system. While rivaroxaban can be affected by that, again, apixaban is probably going to be the, the most susceptible to drug-drug interactions. However, they could be significant with all drugs, as even dabigatran is influenced by strong inhibitors of P-glycoprotein or inducers of P-glycoprotein. As far as how fast these drugs work, if you'll notice by the onset of activity that all these drugs work relatively quickly. I normally would expect a low molecular weight heparin product to be efficacious or at a, a concentration that's providing some activity to the patient within a couple of hours of injection. Uh, and you'll notice the same will be true here as far as onset of activity with these agents goes. Anywhere from one to four hours from the time the drug is ingested, you should see um, activity of the drug. So th these um, are going to mimic somewhat the pharmacokinetics of low molecular weight heparin products that we've traditionally used um, for bridging therapies and things with warfarin. Uh, except they're now these are available in oral formulations instead of a subcutaneous injection. If you look at the half-life of the agents, you'll notice that while apixaban and, and dabigatran um, have varying half-lives that, that are roughly around 12 hours, rivaroxaban is somewhat shorter with a 5 to 9 hour half-life. However, uh, you will also notice that rivaroxaban is the only one of these agents uh, that is dosed once a day for all indications, whereas dabigatran and apixaban is dosed twice a day for many uh, of their indications. Uh, or in Pixaban's case, uh, uh, hopeful indications in the future. And again, me measuring tests, um, I'll, I'll use the word measuring instead of monitoring because you do not need to monitor these drugs. It's one of the benefits of the new agents is they do not require monitoring because they have a much wider therapeutic index or a wider therapeutic window than uh, drugs such as warfarin. Uh, however, if you wanted to check and look for the activity of the drugs, I've listed tests that could be used there. Notice that I did mention PT in a couple of these columns, and I'll point out that the PT should be looked at, not the INR, because the INR is a calculation based on the ISI or International Sensitivity Index. So depending on which reagent you use, the INR may or may not be sensitive uh, to changes in serum concentrations of these drugs. In general, um, it is uh, it's probably once uh, the precise um, process is in place, anti-10A will probably be the, the best way to measure levels of apixaban and rivaroxaban, while as ultimately thrombin time and echerin clotting time or, or ECT are probably the better ways to measure the bigotran. However, the ECT and TT are not readily available, so the PTT will provide some level of information about serum concentrations of the bigotran. We won't go into that in much more detail, but no, there, there are possible ways to measure the effects of these drugs. They do not require routine monitoring, and we have to be careful not to use the term monitoring incorrectly uh, in the context of these new agents. Now, we'll point out some things uh, about the indication of prevention of stroke and systemic embolization in patients with atrial fibrillation.
If you notice this table, which has, again, the, the medications listed alphabetically across the top with the main clinical trial, uh, looking at the AFib population in parentheses underneath their name, you'll see that these are all well studied in large randomized controlled trials. Some things that differ somewhat in the Rivaroxaban study compared to Apixaban and Dabigatran is that the Rivaroxaban study had a higher acuity of patients enrolled with a mean CHADS-2 score of approximately 3.5. Also notice the time in therapeutic range is lower with 55% of the time compared to 62 and 64 for dabigatran and apixaban. However, keep in mind that this was a sicker, uh, higher acuity uh, patient population, so perhaps that had something to do with the lower time in therapeutic range. Um, I think that this is reflected in the results and that rivaroxaban is non-inferior to warfarin if you look at the line that says efficacy versus vitamin K antagonist, abbreviated VKA, uh, which is the fourth line down. You'll see that rivaroxaban on the right hand side was non-inferior to vitamin K antagonist, aka warfarin uh, is a primary one that's used, um, with dabigatran and apixaban both showing superiority, uh, dabigatran specifically for the 150BID group, which is the approved dose in the United States. Um, the the non-inferiority or the excuse me the superiority analysis for rivaroxaban was what some people uh, in, in statistics would call a trend, and it's pro it's very difficult to extrapolate the differences in these data uh, when you look at the differences in the patient population. So um, we need to be a little careful about extrapolating. Uh, Compare or comparing one drug to the other uh, based on separate trials that didn't look at the same patient populations. Um, however, if, if you solely look at which drugs were superior, uh, apixaban and dabigatran both were superior, uh, whereas rivaroxaban was not. However, it was not inferior or just as good as the gold standard, which was warfarin. Uh, if you look at bleeding, uh, apixaban is the only one that actually showed overall uh, well major uh, decreased bleeding per study. All the drugs showed overall decreased bleeding with dabigatran and rivaroxaban having similar rates of major bleeding as warfarin, uh, whereas apixaban actually had decreased rates of bleeding, uh, major bleeding, uh, in comparison to warfarin or vitamin K antagonist. And we've already talked about differences in elimination of these medications. Next, I have a quick summary of the uh, venous thromboembolic data. Both dabigatran and rivaroxaban have been studied in patients with uh, DVT and or PE. Uh, if you look there, you'll see that there were some similar studies. One difference in the studies was that dabigatran was a uh, randomized uh, controlled double-blinded study, whereas uh, rivaroxaban was a randomized controlled open-label study. Um, the time and therapeutic range was, was similar between the two uh, trials. Uh, if you'll notice, rivaroxaban actually used rivaroxaban from day one of therapy. So the patient presented with VTE, they were started on rivaroxaban immediately. Due to the double blinding and the sham INRs that were used in the recover trial looking at dabigatran, they did bridge patients with low molecular weight heparin therapy. Uh, and then uh, they took a concomitant warfarin or uh, dabigatran or placebo for the, the agent that wasn't utilized. So it was a little more uh, complex study design there which resulted in them uh, bridging all patients to maintain blinding in the study. Uh, but they overall both did show non-inferiority to again the gold standard of warfarin titrated to an INR of 2 to 3 with similar bleeding rates. 
So in summary, uh, I'll, I'll just show some more data here. Uh, most of this was on the previous slide. What I've added here at the bottom is the indications for the drug uh, by the FDA currently in the United States as of February 2012. Rivaroxaban is approved for prevention of stroke and systemic embolization and non-valvular AFib, as well as prevention of VTE in orthopedic patients undergoing uh, total hip and total knee arthroplasties. Dabigatran is only approved for non-valvular AFib at this point in time, and Apixaban is uh, still undergoing review by the FDA for their initial approval. Um, it is likely that it will be approved uh, soon and will be on the market soon. As far as clinical uses, based on the data that are available, all of these agents have been studied in some form or fashion for VTE prophylaxis in the orthopedic population. Dabigatran um, was actually shown to be inferior to Lovenox 30 twice a day in high-risk orthopedic patients, and therefore the indication for orthopedic VT prophylaxis uh, is, is, has not been secured and is probably uh, will require additional studies before it could be approved uh, as far as dabigatran goes. From a rivaroxaban standpoint, it is approved for that indication. Also, the treatment of VT is supported by clinical trials as it is with dabigatran. And then all three agents have shown uh, efficacy in patients with AFib to prevent stroke. Uh, so all three would be viable options in our, our AFib patients. That concludes this uh, very short summary of new oral anticoagulants. I hope this has been helpful, and uh, good luck as you, as you study on your own to learn more about these uh, new agents that are, are rapidly coming to market in the United States. Thank you.